Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Why, hello there, and welcome to yet another hour of hmm, the discombobulated uh, stream of consciousness that is this program, the meanderings of my restless mind, the effluvia? <laughs> what does that mean, effluvia? The effluvia of, are there words in your head that you, like effluvia? I don't even know if that is a word, effluvia. EFF, yeah, is that a word? Speaking of words, I was squawking yesterday about how no one uses few and fewer uh, properly anymore and how it's disappearing and and instead people just uh, say less, which is not correct. Anyway, um, as if to suggest I overstated the case that I... One of the first headlines I saw when I opened up the New York Times today was this. It was in a, the sports section, and it was about uh, tennis. And it, the headline is this, <laughs> fewer fans and fewer stars. Oh, wow. Two fewers in one headline. Never before, I should really, I should have it bronzed. I don't think that's going to happen again. Fewer fans and fewer stars. Uh, oh, there you have it, fewer. Okay. I won't go there again for those of you who are not given to getting worked up about vocabulary words. Um Sally Wigan was here yesterday and she was she did a big rant squawking about the use of the subjunctive. <laughs> and you know what? I wasn't sure what the subjunctive was, but I held my tongue. I thought she might attack me. But I I she later said if I if I were she used uh, she used were correctly where most people say was, but I don't think that was it, was it? Or were it? <laughs> okay, never mind. I stopped. Um I I'm prone to giving the date and talking about the weather, neither of which I've done today. Um March twenty fifth. Amazing. What a lamb like March this has been. There, I did both. Okay. Uh oof. I had a nightmare last night that it was sort of I, really earlier this morning. And when I, it was one of those nightmares that wake you up and it was in it. The bad guy was played by Joe DiNardo. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, he was the longtime weather uh, guy on uh, WTAE TV. <laughs> Joe DiNardo, he was the bad guy. And he was telling me that I'm, somehow that he he was he was like playing the heavy uh like boss at uh TV the TV station I guess and he was telling me that my nobody watches your show <laughs> you're you know it's telling me that it was as good as gone and uh, and I was aware that this was an effort to force me out and it was just unbelievable how how miserable and upset I was in the in the in the nightmare in the dream just amazing so the, so much so that when I woke up I really couldn't get it out of my head I couldn't go figure sleep isn't hard enough you finally get to sleep and what happens Joe DiNardo shows up and uh freaks you out Oh, boy. So I hear there's going to be wind gusts tomorrow. I'm just warning you. Hold on to your hats. I just saw this. It, it could be up to 60 mile per hour gusts. <laughs> yeah. 
Amazing. Okay, I'll stop for a second, meandering and and actually a light on some topic. Oh, there was this thing in the, uh, who knows what, uh, about a traffic cop in, I want to say Rome, but I could be wrong. I know it was Italy. And there was a whole article on him. And his name is Pierluigi Marcione. And they show him at the uh, at a plaza in Rome. He's standing on an uplift on a platform in the middle of this sort of what appears to be a roundabout, except cars are going every which way. <laughs> it doesn't look like any roundabout we'd see, um, but it looks like the kind of thing you'd see in Italy. And if you've ever driven a car in Italy, yeah, I remember my poor father driving a car. We drove from Rome to, I don't know, was it Venice or Florence? Anyway, at one, toward the end, my my father actually uh, crashed into a, uh, like a, a, a small wall of some sort. And I remember my, my mother saying, muttering, uh, well, I guess we've arrived. Um, Anyway, so there's a story about this guy, and what it did was, uh, again, given the fact that I don't have a good memory anymore, it was it was a story that could have been written about a Pittsburgh traffic cop uh, 30 years ago, 35 years ago, maybe. Do you remember him, the Pittsburgh cop who got himself uh, national attention by being so incredibly funny and gracefully silly um, directing traffic downtown. And I, I was, what's his name? What was his name? I know I did a, and I think it was, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, what, here's what I've come up with. His name was Vic Sianca, I think. Um, and he was just delightful, just delightful. Um, it was performance art, and I I think he even made it into some some movies, whatever. So whoever this guy is in Rome, I'm just saying, <laughs> Fixianca, if that was his name, <laughs> I don't remember. Um, oh, speaking of uh, why is it speaking of. Pittsburghers who are no longer with us. I just want to uh, tell this story again on me because it's so embarrassing. But I told it uh, yesterday or the day before I had to go to the dentist. And um, the dentist and I started reminiscing because I I told him that when I um, when I came to Pittsburgh, you know, when you come to a new city, you don't you need a doctor, you need a dentist, you need someone to do your hair. So you have to ask people, where do I, who would you recommend, blah, 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 blah. And he said um, that so many people that uh, that worked at WTAE television, where it's, which is where I work, uh, came to his practice because the general manager, uh, was a friend of the family or something. So we started talking about some of these old, old people who hung out together and stuff. And he started talking about Johnny Majors, who was the uh, pit football coach, right? And um, I said, Oh, I got a story about Johnny Majors. It's so embarrassing. And I, I, I'm sure I've told you. I, I had tickets to a Rolling Stone concert. Um, I think it was at it was at one of the stadiums. I, I'm thinking I, I don't remember. And and I took my son, who might have been about eight nine, and we had really good seats down on the 
field, um, you know, maybe about 15 rows back from the stage. And uh, I'm, I'm sitting there and there's a, a nice older man sitting next to me. And obviously his wife and or daughters, or I couldn't tell what was going on. Anyway, at some point we exchanged a few words and I, I'm thinking, I know this guy. I know, I know this guy. And I finally thought, go ahead, say I to him. Say, I mean, say, and I said, I'm sorry. I, I said, you're Porky Chedwick, right? Now I'd never met Porky Chedwick. I only knew of him. I'd seen pictures of him. He was a famous DJ here. And Pork the Torque is what he was called. And uh, the guy who I thought was Porky Chedwick just howled. I mean, started laughing so hard, was it? which told me that he was not Porky Chedwick. When he was finally able to uh, gasp for air and uh, and, and after turning to his family members and letting them in on the joke, and then they all laughed again, he finally turned back to me and he said, oh, no, I'm not Porky Chadwick. I'm Johnny Majors. And I, you know, it's one of those moments where you're just so mortified you can't see straight. I mean, just humiliated. I, I've had so many moments like that, misidentifying people and or saying something that, you know, you just wanted the ground to open and you drop through. But yeah, so I, I told him the story and he thought it was a riot. And, and we um, started talking about Johnny Majors. And I said, my only other memory from that um, embarrassing conversation, uh, first of all, I got the impression it was really a nice guy. And then he said something. It turned out that he did recognize me, and and actually, you know, he didn't say, "And you, you're you're Sally Wigan, right?" No, he didn't do that. He said, "You're I, you're Lynn Cullen, right?" I said, "Yeah," and I said, "I'm surprised you know that." He said, "Why?" He oh no, he said, "I enjoy your show." I said, "What?" I'm really surprised because he said because. You figure that all football coaches, especially Southern-born football coaches, would have to be, what, conservative Republicans? I said, probably. That's what I might have been thinking. And he said, well, I am not. And I told that to the dentist, and he said, no, he was not. He was a liberal Democrat football coach born in... Tennessee, I think, or Kentucky. I get it mixed up. Anyway, that was it. What am I doing? I'm avoiding talking about the news. That's what I'm doing. Um, if you came here because you wanted to hear something in the news, just wait a while. It'll come up. Uh, ben writes, he's got a peeve about words. He said, I noticed some years ago people using the word differential as opposed to difference. I don't really know if the usage is correct, though I think it's a word that used that, that makes, I, it's one of those words that people use because it makes them, they think it makes them sound smarter. So you take a word like difference and instead of using difference, you use the differential. I think there's a lot of that that goes around. And of course now I can't, think of one, but there are plenty of them. Um, and as, as soon as I stop trying to think of it, I'll think of one. But yeah, I never, I don't know that I heard that, but it's the same kind of, yeah, thing. Uh, little Tony says, I remember the traffic cop downtown. He was on candid camera when I was a kid. Not sure I ever saw him in person, but my dad did often. Yeah, I well, I saw him and I, I, I interviewed him and he, he was quite a character. But uh, I, I do think his name was Vic Sianka. Okay. So, you know, 
people see, I said so. We were talking about that too, how I one of my peeves is how everyone now starts their sentences with the word so, which I don't recall being the case. Um, and we talked about that a little bit yesterday, and my sister is suggesting that so is now changing and people are saying look before they start talking. Or you could say listen, right? The same thing, listen. I And it, it is, well, I can see where listen and look are certainly more assertive ways of saying, I want your attention, right? Look or listen, more so than so. So since we seem to be becoming a more sort of aggressive, if that's possible, culture, um, I think look or listen are probably better than so, and anyway, so has run its course. So, as I was saying, I came upon this uh, story uh, maybe about four or five days ago, and I, I haven't found time to share it with you, but I, I, I think it's worth sharing because it's it's about how our lives, I think, um, take little turns here and there uh, just because of happenstance or serendipity or whatever. But for as many people as there are who have a very linear kind of life, you know, they do things by the book. They're children. They go to school. They go to college. They go immediately out into the workaday world that they had prepared themselves for. They marry. They have two points three children and you know on and on. you know people that uh, you know live I guess there are lives like that that uh, just pretty linear and then there are lives that where you're you're sort of like um you know in a in an arcade you're like the ball bouncing off you know, like, you know we're careening over here and then we bounce off that we go the other way and then we spin a little bit and who knows and that's my life has been like that so <clears throat> I love hearing of people whose lives um, are unusual in that they end up living in a way that they certainly weren't supposed to. Or <laughs> Anyway, here's the story of this guy. It's nothing huge. It's just, wow, and good for him because he was not in a good place. And he made a place, literally, for himself. His name uh, is Tom Garvey. Wasn't that a baseball player? No, wasn't Tom. Never mind. Anyway, Tom Garvey. And he was a, a veteran of uh, that wonderful war we called uh, Vietnam. And... And when he came back from Vietnam, like so many others, he was a mess. And he he just couldn't find uh, a place where he felt comfortable. He he had you know psychological issues that were he was probably had post traumatic stress. And he tried to just keep himself hyper busy. That's what he said. I just kept, you know, I, I, one way you keep demons away is you never sit still long enough to let them get you. So he worked a million jobs. Uh, he went to college. Um, he tried to write. He, he rode a bicycle all over the place. He was just somebody who just never stopped and but never landed either anywhere. And one of his uncles uh, ran, this is all in Philly, I'm sorry, Philadelphia. He, one of his uncles ran a catering uh, business and the uncle scored a contract with Veterans Stadium, which is where the Eagles and the, uh, hello, what the Philadelphia Eagles, Philadelphia 
What the hell is I can't think of their uh, baseball team? Okay, never mind. Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> Who else? Philly. Anyway, where they play, and it's not. It doesn't exist anymore. They they blew it up or something. Um, but the uncle had this catering contract at uh, Veterans Stadium, and he said to his, you know, sort of wandering nephew who couldn't land a really good job, he said, look, I can, I can take you on, and you can do, uh, do some work uh, for, for us. And it allowed the poor guy to finally move out of his mom's house. And in a year or so, he was managing the parking lots. So he was starting to, to get a foothold. And because of that job, he was given the keys to um, an entry into the stadium that, you know, you or I couldn't access. And um, also the keys to this empty concession stand in, in left field that he used to put boxes of, uh, of some of the paraphernalia he needed, like uh, the tickets, parking ticket things he would give to stuff. So he just used it as storage. And, um, and then the Pope came, the, uh, Pope John Paul II. He shows up and does, I guess, a big mass at uh, Veterans Stadium. And uh, Garvey here had to, you know, it wasn't a game, and he had to scramble to assemble um, a team to handle uh, the parking, I mean, which is going to be over overwhelming. And um, what he did is he goes to a bar that he frequented, and he, he sort of scarfed up all his buddies from the bar. And he said, now, come on, it's a day's pay, you'll come. But knowing these guys, he figured they might not show up the next morning when they would be needed. And so he said, I want you to come the night before and bring a sleeping bag. And they slept in the... Uh, empty concession stand slash uh, storage uh, space. And one of the friends said to him, you know, man, this would really be awesome if you turned this space into, uh, you know, your apartment. You could fix it up. You could, uh, you know, sort of build a wall right over there. You could... Uh, you know, box it in. And damn if he didn't do that. This guy lived unbeknownst to the people. Well, who knows? Because some people did know. He lived in the bowels underneath the uh, Section 300 level I, I, level seats um, that sloped down to the ceiling of his apartment, <laughs> sloped down. He, um, he lived there for um, three years. He, uh, he was able to use the, the bathrooms that the stadium had. He also had access to showers for workers there. And he created, with the cardboard boxes he had, he sort of created a hallway to disguise the fact that there was actually an apartment in the back. And um, Bill Bradley, a name you might recognize, I did. He was a, actually, wait a minute, 76er, wasn't he? Bill Bradley? Um, if I finally came up with a, no, that's a basketball. Anyway, I, it says here, Bill Bradley and Jerry Sizemore, another name I remember. 
they were both, I guess, on the Eagles. So it's a different Bill Bradley. And they knew about this. He befriended them. They sometimes hung out in the apartment. And Bradley said, um, you know, you open the door and it, it just looks like some storeroom. But then if you walk down between the boxes, it opens up into one of the neatest apartments I think I've ever seen. <laughs> Others dispute that. They said Bradley clearly didn't have very high standards, but there it was. It had a carpet made out of what? Sure, AstroTurf. It had a bed, a coffee table, lamps. It had a little kitchen. It had it had everything. Um, a former general manager of uh, a concert uh, promoter who knew the in insides and outsides of the stadium um, also knew about this. And he said, man, he constructed in the back a couple of walls, a refrigerator, a couch. It was like a, it was like a luxury apartment. Sometimes when, you know, he was feeling a little low or needed to keep moving as he used to, he would roller skate around the empty stadium at night with the backdrop of the Philly skyline and bridges and, uh, and flights, the airplanes coming in and out of, uh, of the airport. And he said, it was euphoric. It really helped me a lot. And he was hiding in plain sight. Everyone knew him, he said, and his job gave him reason to be around all the time and at odd times. And he said, there it was. I was living in there right in front of their eyes. And I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe I got away with it. Day after day, week after week, year after year. And some people say they think that maybe as many as 30 people did know about it. And the weirdest part is that nobody did anything to get him into trouble. Nobody said anything. And he was able to stay. So why isn't he living there now? Well, the uncle who got him the job in the first place the caterer, he lost the contract. And consequently, a new caterer came in and uh, he didn't offer this guy a job. He had his own people. And so the poor guy thinks, I'm not going back to my mother's house. I'm not, I don't. And so this Bill Bradley, the, the football player, says, hey, man, just come down. You live with me. In, in Texas. And he did. <laughs> he went to Texas, Texas to live with the, the Eagle. And, um, and he eventually returned uh, back to Philly. And he got married and, and lived a, what looked like a pretty normal life. So anyway, I thought that was a a nice story. Although there's names in that that just seem like it's, okay, so there's a baseball player named Garvey. Who the hell am I thinking of? I think I met him. And then Bill Bradley, it was a senator who was a basketball player, wasn't he? But was there, other, was there another Bill Bradley who played for the Eagles? I am so mixed up. We have a caller. Hello. Morning, Lynn. Hi. Steve Garvey. Ah, 
That's it. Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, it's Steve Garvey I met. Sally and I met him when WTAE flew us out to Hollywood to uh, to tape, what was that show? Win, Lose, or Draw. <laughs> don't ask. I don't, I don't know. But Steve Garvey was um, maybe on the other team. I don't remember anything. Got a nice looking guy. Yeah. The other okay. one is the Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Phillies. Phillies. Oh, that's hard to remember. Jeez. But wasn't Bill Bradley a 76er? I think he was. Yeah, but do you remember a Bill Bradley who played for the Eagles? I don't know anybody on the Eagles. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm thank you. You helped the I'm from I'm from Pittsburgh, Lynn. What do I know about Eagles? Yeah, yeah, right. Well, yeah, but you, if you're going to hate them like you Pittsburghers usually do, then you should at least know who you're hating, I would think. Nah, I don't hate anybody. Hey, uh, you were t- earlier in the week you were talking about the filibuster. Yeah. Well, if you want to see what the filibuster used to look like, get the movie Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Stewart, right? Yeah. Um, just wonderful. Yeah. That's a brutal move. I mean, it's wonderful, but oh, man. Yeah. He did a real filibuster. That's the real deal. You know, when that movie came out, Congress was so upset that they took away, uh, it used to be movies studios controlled everything from the making the pictures to having their own theaters, you know, like the yeah. Warner theater. So yeah. they oh, passed they a little legislation. Yeah. They said you can't do and that anymore. Right. You couldn't have the whole pipeline. Wow. Well, cause they showed an extraordinarily corrupt, uh, Congress. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but at least the the really corrupt guy in that one, not the well, one of the corrupt guys, at least had the um, did the honorable thing and and killed himself, right? He shoots himself. The the uh, senator. Well, he tried to shoot himself, but they grabbed him, and then he comes really? back at him. And yeah, and then he comes back out onto the floor, and he said, "Everything he says is true." Uh, everything is expel me, expel me. I thought he does the speech, then he goes out and shoots himself. I got it wrong. No, he goes into the back room, he fires a gun, but people grabbed him, and then he comes back out and spills all the beans. But uh, I wanted to ask you, I wanted to ask you a question then. You got Passover coming up, and happy Passover to you. Thank you. Could you explain? To a layman, what Passover is? Yeah, I can actually do that. <laughs> do you want the the Lynn Cullen version of Passover? Yeah. Okay. Of course. So here's the okay. Here's the story. So uh, the Jews were uh, slaves um, in Egypt, and it wasn't a wasn't a really uh, it was pretty rough. I guess. And the Pharaoh was being really mean and he was ordering uh, the killing of all of the Jewish male, firstborn males. And one of uh, the women, uh, the Jewish women who just had this little baby boy um, to save the child, she built a, a basket and put the baby in the basket and pushed the basket into the river and pushed it toward where she knew the um, the Pharaoh's daughter and other royal people like would bathe. I don't know. This is the story. You know, these stories are always... So, Lo and behold, a little baby gets picked up by, in fact, yeah, the Pharaoh's daughter and is brought into the palace. 
this little Jewish boy who, who should have been killed. Um, and he grows up, he's Moses. His name is Moses. And he then ends up, well, you know the rest of the story, right? He ends up, God, God calls on him to free his people. Somehow he finds out he's actually a Jew. I don't remember that part. He finds out he's a Jew. And God says, you got to free the people. And he says, who, me? Leave me alone. I can't. And then he, I don't know, he sees burning bush and this and that, blah, blah, blah. He goes back because God tells him to. And he tells Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, you got to be kidding me. And uh, they go back and forth. And so Noah's, uh, Noah, <laughs> Moses says, I'm going, God will bring a terrible plague on you if you don't let him go. And so uh, God starts doing the plagues. You know, a bunch of locusts comes and eats all the, all the grain. And Moses goes back and says, now, can you see the power I have behind me? Can you please let my people go? Pharaoh says, nope. So he brings it on. Every, all of a sudden, all the Egyptians get boils. <laughs> that didn't do it either. Uh, the boils didn't do it. Uh, then there's a marauding, uh, I don't know, tigers come and eat people alive on the streets. There's one the horrible plague after the other, right? And none of them move Pharaoh. And finally, Moses says, look. The last plague is the real doozy, and it's one you used yourself. God is going to kill, take the life of every one of your firstborn males. And uh, the Jews were told that to secure their children, they would put, I think, a what somebody is going to tell me you better go back to sunday school um the jews would put a i want to say some blood on their doorpost something that would tell the angels of death that this was a jewish household do not kill those children i mean it's so awful and so the 10th plague it was the 10th one comes and the angel of death passes over the homes of the Jewish slaves, pass over, and doesn't pass over the Egyptian homes. The Pharaoh's own son is dies, everybody dies, and so the Jews get out. Just get out, get out, get out, and they take off. But then Pharaoh comes running after him. And then that's where Moses parts the, the sea so that the Jews can get across. That's the whole amazing, ridiculous story kind of in a nutshell and not quite right. Passover. So that's the Passover it was passed over by the Jews. No, the angel of death passed over the houses of the Jews and did not afflict them. Gotcha. And, and, uh, and when the Jews uh, took off running because Pharaoh finally said, get the hell out of here, they took off and they didn't have time to get their provisions together and they didn't have time to let their the bread they were making rise. So they just went with all this flat cracker-like stuff instead of bread. And that's why Jews forego bread for eight days and eat what those slaves had to eat, the matzah, just this totally horrible cracker-like thing. <laughs> hey, Lynn, the okay. other day you said, wait a minute, you said that uh, you went to a restaurant for the first time? Yeah. Did you put on makeup? Nope. Beautiful. I did not, and I went out to a dress shop yesterday and didn't even occur to me to put on makeup. Uh-uh. Isn't that something? That is just unbelievable. 
I can't tell thing. you the money I'm saving. What? One last thing for little Tony. I remember seeing uh, that police officer with the white gloves doing his yeah. choreograph. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was on candid camera. I remember that. Yeah, he was wonderful. And I have uh, Sally has told me and Ellen has told me that Bill Bradley, the basketball player, was uh, with the uh, Knicks. And the Knicks. then he became, yeah, he was with the Knicks. And then he, he was a senator from New Jersey. Yeah, I remember that. that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, did Sally ever make it to Indonesia? Sally's been everywhere, and she's now plotting other trips to the few places she has. And I don't know, Indonesia? Well, she was going to go see the orangutans. Sally? It's orangutan. I yeah, don't last time. I say Tang, but I, yeah. Maybe she'll on. call in. Maybe she'll call in. I know she's well, listening because she's emailing. So um, I can't keep track of Sally. Nobody you know your uh, dream about Joe DiNardo? You remember when yeah. she said he was the only one that called her Sarah, which is her yeah. name. Yes, yes, it is. I love that. Well, Sarah Wiggins, call in, or Sarah Wigan, call in. Yes, don't you put no S there. Yeah. Sarah no, Wigan. no, no. Right. All right, you take right. care, Lynn. Okay. Thanks okay. for the history you lesson. Too. Yes, sure. <laughs> I don't history lesson. It's a religious, uh, you know, it's a biblical story, which makes it suspect. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's a hell of a holiday. I love it because it, you tell this story, and, and I've told this before, that one of the things you say is we were slaves. I was a slave. So you, I, the, the, in the telling of the story, you identify with the oppressed. I am convinced that Passover is what made a lot of Jews sort of liberals. Um, that might may or may not be true. But I remember my father as he, uh, you know, this is a celebration that happens in your own home. You don't go to the synagogue to celebrate Passover. You celebrate it with family around your around your table with various rituals and a lot of drinking of wine. There is literally four glasses of wine throughout the meal that you're supposed to drink. Now, in my family, that meant four glasses of wine. In a lot of families, or they'd have, I once went to a Seder, and I swear the glasses they had for the, were like symbols. And I thought, ah, oh, damn, <laughs> damn. So, I remember getting, I mean, getting buzzed, yeah, with my parents. I mean, it was just wonderful. It was wonderful. Um, I guess Sally's not going to, I don't know. It Listen, if you email me, it takes forever for the email to show up. It's just the way this, this thing works. Uh, I cannot believe I am going to avoid all the stories I've been avoiding all week that I really do want to get to, but... I, I just seem to keep wanting to talk about nothing in particular, um, which is just so much more fun, at least for me. Anyway, so Biden's given his first press conference today, and I'm nervous. I am nervous because I keep thinking, how old is he? I mean, I'm old. I'm old. I Everything hurts. I like I could, I, you know, 3 p.m. hits and I'm nodding off. I mean, it is, age is a real thing. I mean, and it, and it, you're not, you don't have the energy you have and you, yeah, you're always fighting off maladies here, there. And, but he's an old man. And then, and he, you know, to be drilled by these young reporters trying to get you when he, even as a young man, could be gotten. <laughs> I'm worried about him. I really am. I think he's the right man for this time. I'm glad he's there, but I don't want us. I don't want that 
media to come at him too much. And then what was that about him falling three times, trying to go up the steps to Air Force One? I couldn't watch it. I watched the first stumble, but then they said he stumbled twice more. What's that about? I'm just saying, scares me. Sally. Sally. Okay. Wait, hold on. You, when you, we, I, I was going back and forth. Were you asking me to call you? I couldn't remember. Yeah. But, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, well, let, me, let, me just, let me just address the stumbling. It is possible. I'm not nearly as old as he is. And I have a little bit of neuropathy in my feet. Uh, the other thing is, if you break something in your foot, it never's really quite the same. And, and he did and, have that recent uh, foot uh, sprain, ankle sprain. Oh, did he? Well, then it, 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 yeah, throws your balance. It, it throws your balance off. I can't go up or downstairs without looking at the stair. I can't. Yeah. And so the, I, I don't, I, th- I mean, and, and you know what? Everybody just picks at everything. And, and I just, you know, and the other thing is, as far as a news conference, if someone gets yeah. combative, he's really at his best when he's combative because he doesn't think about the stuttering when he, you know, so, so, but, but, so, you know, I don't, I don't know. Everybody, listen, we've had people who are really good at press conferences and news conferences. And then we've had those who were really horrible, but, 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 but at least, and I'm not making a political statement one way or the other. At least they're going to be news conferences. And that's all I what I'm going to Borneo, if that's what you were asking me. I'm going to yes, Borneo. Yes, you know what? Bree, Bree wrote and said, and, and, and so did, um, yeah, anyway, Sally said she was going to Borneo. And then he says, and he lives in um, Malaysia, right? And, and he says, East Malaysia, Indonesia, and Brunei are yeah, on Borneo. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. And, okay. And, Bor- and Borneo is the Sally, third line. Wait, wait, wait. I just need to tell you this. Bree says if you come through Kuala Lumpur, he'd love to show you around. Oh, wow. Um, but he said, but Borneo is far cooler than Kuala Lumpur. But there, but he's, and I, I can vouch for. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, it's funny. I don't know if we're going to, how, how, because they're going to arrange the flights. The, the company is, it's a smaller company that I'm going with. I'm not going with NatHab, but I was listening to the NatHab uh, uh, webinar, uh, Natural Habitat Adventures webinar, because uh, I did my wolf adventure right before COVID. Today. But here's the thing, Borneo is the third largest island, and I'm thinking Greenland is the largest, and then Madagascar is second, then Borneo is third. And the part of Borneo we will be in is, 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 um, is Malaysia. We're only in the Malaysian part of Borneo. That's where a lot of the cool parks are, national parks and what have you. And so, so I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm watching it yesterday. I'm supposed to go the first week in September. I'm thinking that's not going to happen. I, 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 I just, mm. I, the, the, I mean, simply because they're not going to have enough vaccines there. Oh. Um, I'll be, I'll be in my seventh month. So I'm wondering, do I need a booster? How long does this last? And at the same time, but we're going to India in 2022 in March, and I'm thinking maybe we can do both trips. We could do India and then postpone the Borneo and and just do it all at once. So yeah, you've so been I've been in India, big, but you've been in twice, India before. twice before. This right. is my third time. I I, I love okay. India, so so it's amazing. But anyway, going back to Biden, I'll let you talk about Biden. But but yeah, that was Bill Bill Bradley only played for the Knicks. Very famous. Yes, he was. He was a basketball player, and he was a senator. Yeah, from New Jersey, but the, senator the from New Jersey. About this, but the story about the guy who was living in Veterans Stadium. Well, New Jersey really. New, New, Jer- New Jersey is really close to Philadelphia. No, but he. This was an eagle. It, it was an eagle. The Bill Bradley is identified as an eagle. It says Bill Bradley and Jerry Sizemore. I remember Jerry Sizemore. Did Jerry Sizemore yeah, used too. to play for the Packers? No. I no. remember Jerry Sizemore. These were both football players. That's what it's, that's what the yeah, article must be a, There must be a Bill Bradley, you know, who <clears> played <throat> for the Eagles. You know, the Eagles were, you know, sort of a, a, an afterthought for a long time. Until yeah, Andy and because Bill Bradley, Andy this, coach them. the Philly Bill Bradley, um, 
is the one who told this guy, come live with me in Texas. Now, the senator, Bill Bradley, did not live in Texas. So it's another no. Bill Bradley. <laughs> so this is another Bill. See, it's funny. I'm moving in and out of the kitchen and, and doing, trying to do little, you know, and get my dog fed, who still has not been fed. And she's really becoming angry oh. now because she wants okay. to eat. Okay, we'll go for yours. So, but see, I haven't eaten yet. So I figured, well, she, if I haven't okay. eaten, she can wait. So I, I need to, but, but anyway, go back to talking about, listen, okay. I worry about tripping up and down steps all the time. Yeah. You know, too. so me if too. you, if you're over 60, you do. So there. All right. Okay. Bye, Sal. Bye. 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 Thank you. Um, so little Tony says, I'm Catholic and I was taught about Moses and the Passover story long ago. For that matter, anyone who has watched, oh God, Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments would know the story. I don't think that's Cecil, that's not the one with Charlton Heston, is it? No, no. Doug Hurth is the one who did the hysterical stuff about the Ten Commandments. Um, who was the guy, the actor? Um, oh God. He actually was a good actor, but not in this. Um, little guy who played one of the Egyptians and did it with this, you know, New York accent. It was, it was just Doug would just have me howling every every time he he talked about it. And Charlton Heston is one of the worst actors uh, ever. And I have told you my Charlton Heston story, right? Uh, when I, um, I I had a little bit of a at the time, they called it a nervous breakdown. Um, when I was at Northwestern University, I, I was just burning the candle at too many ends, trying to, I had, I, I, there's a war I had to end. There was, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff that I had to do, experiment with drugs and, you know, whatever. I came apart at the seams and I dropped out. And uh, one of a few times <laughs> I did that. As I said, I was like one of those uh, you know, balls in an arcade, just bounce, 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 bouncing off of things. No idea of what the next uh, step would be. And um, my parents were enraged and uh, didn't want to support me. Uh, it didn't approve of me dropping out. And um, so I had to get a job and the, the job I landed was in a near the near Evanston, Illinois, where Northwestern is. Uh, it was just up the road a little bit in a little uh, village where a lot of rich people live called Winnetka. And I uh, landed the job as a uh, secretary of sorts to the uh, head of the public works department of Winnetka, Illinois. And um, I sat in this, my desk was in this large public room uh, that had a big uh, counter. So the public would come in and they'd be on the other side of the counter. And if anyone from the public came in, it was my job to get up and say, may I help you? And uh, one day someone came in and I looked up and said, may I help you? And, and realized that the person I had just addressed was Charlton Heston. <laughs> Jesus, Charlton Heston is at, in the public works department. And he said, yes, he wanted a pass to the, I guess, uh, the village tennis courts. Um, anyway, so I, I gave Charlton Heston his pass. Turns out he was there because his sister, who was a professor at Northwestern in drama, she should have taught her brother a little bit. Um, she was a drama professor and, um, he had come to visit her. So that was that. I want an only time where I, I had any interaction with <laughs> Charlton Heston. Oh, God. Um, what we got here? Jody says, I heard you talking about the Pittsburgh traffic cop. He made a brief appearance in the movie Flashdance. Yeah, just a little, see, God, they cut him in a little bit. You're right. That was the movie. That's 1983. 
And uh, Jody says, thank you for explaining Passover. Well, I, believe me, that was a real truncated, probably, uh, whatever. And by the way, you know that wine I'm talking about that Jews enjoy on uh, celebrating uh, Passover? And the, the ritual meal is called the Seder. And we all use a book that tells the story. The book is called the Haggadah. And, um, you know, if you really do it, you spend like seven hours at the at the table. God, and um, it can be daunting, to say the least. That's not the way I do it. Uh, but I like to tell the story. And um, what was I saying? Why did I bring this up? Uh, I can't remember. Damn it. Um, it was something about the story that I mucked up. Oh, with the wine. So because God visited uh, these 10 horrific plagues on the uh, Egyptians. Um, we note that because the poor Egyptians, they didn't deserve, you know, to get boils and, and the pestilence and hail peppering them and, and, you know, their firstborns getting killed. I mean, they, they didn't. It was Pharaoh who brought that on his people. So we recite the plagues, each one. And, and this is a part kids just love because you say it first in Hebrew and then everybody shouts out, boils! You know, and it's like, boils, pus, <laughs> slaying of the firstborn, yeah, all this stuff, frogs, lice. And um, every time you you say one of the plagues, you dip your finger or a spoon into your glass of wine and you take some of the wine out and put it on a plate because you want to reduce any pleasure you are having um, on that night uh, because of the pain that was brought to the Egyptian innocent Egyptian people. That was what I wanted to say. I love that holiday. Anyway, uh, Bree is writing back. Sally will probably go to Kota, Kinabulu, and Kuching. I have been to Kuching. That's the cat city. Amazing rainforest parks. I stayed at the Toon Hotel and then the Pullman in Kuching. My company has a branch in Kuching. I have a friend from KK, Kota Kinabulu. Her flight will either go through KL or Singapore. All right, well, you two should get together. Can I say, Edward G. Robinson, thank you. Yeah, he was, a, he was actually an excellent actor. Uh, Edward G. Robinson had to be about five feet tall. And um, what was his real name? What was his real name? Because it is a, it's a very funny Jewish name, I think. It's like Isidore Mendelowitz, uh, you know, Pincus, uh, whatever. I, I don't know, but it's, it ain't Edward G. Robinson. Sally says, yes, that was Charlton Heston. It was Cecil B. DeMille. He really was critically acclaimed for Ben-Hur and was praised by critics for a wonderful Western called Will Penny. He was a liberal Democrat for a long time, but as he aged, his brain cells dried up and he became a conservative. That's not what Sally said, but I do. Um, oh, Edward G. Robinson played Aaron? Oh, is that what he did? I thought he played an Egyptian. Uh, I don't understand any of it. Yes, I'm thinking of Edward G. Robinson. Thank you all. God, you're all so... You, you have your head still functioning, which is more than I have. And I still have not gotten to all. You cannot imagine the pile of stuff I have. And you know what will happen is by next time I talk to you on Monday, it will all seem so old. We'll have moved on to, you know, maybe our third or fourth mass shooting and uh, the crisis at the border. And that damn ship will still be stuck sideways in the, in the canal. Uh, they need Moses. We need a miracle there back in Egypt. Serious. 
okay, I think I'm done. Um, thanks for being there. It's fun to talk to you. And uh, as I said, I'll be back Monday. Have a great few days. Okay, bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.